Hey, this is Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Chapel, Divine, Texas. Would really like to thank you for taking time to check out our podcast, our Sunday sermons, and our Wednesday night Bible studies. You can always share this, download it, or even find it on Spotify, Google Podcast, Apple Podcast, SoundCloud, and pretty much wherever you can find a podcast. You can also find out about our church service times. We have our Sunday service at 10 a.m. and our Wednesday night Bible study at 7 p.m. We're located in the Market Media Building. It's located at 203 East College Avenue, Sweet C in Divine, Texas. Plus, if you need to get any other information from the church, you can do all of this at our church website at calvarydivine.org. That's calvarydivine.org. Here's today's teaching. Hey, this is Pastor Mike. We're going to be tonight finishing up our our study in uh, our Calvary Chapel Distinctives as we have been going over this probably i think since the beginning of september uh we actually start the book of daniel chapter uh, one next week we'll be doing the introduction on uh, wednesday october 6th at 7 p.m um and uh we also um are looking forward to that we're looking forward to the study that we have tonight we'll be going over the last two chapters, which is Striking a Balance and Ventures of Faith. And if you're listening to this and you're thinking, man, this sounds completely different than what it normally does, it's because uh, last night we um, we lost the recording. And so I had to I had to re, redo this, and I don't mind doing it. I, to me, it's at the end of the day, we want to make sure you get a complete study. And so, you know, we started uh, Calvary Chapel Distinctive. We want to make sure you get those last two chapters. So that way, if you're uh, listening to the whole whole study, you get get a complete one. Um, but at the same time, I wanted to um, talk about, you know, what it's going to be uh, to strike a balance, to, to, to have a balance in the church of, of trying to keep uh, from having theological divisions um, we'll be talking about Calvinism and Armenianism, and, and that scares a lot of people, I think. It, you know, as we try to uh, get into it, I'll try to keep it as, as, um, as, as simplistic as possible. Because, uh, I, I mean, I've, I remember in school when, when I at Liberty University, one of my year one, you, you go over a lot of these things, and um, it, it's, it's a very dry subject at times, and so it can be a little hard. Uh, to digest and so um, but we're going to get into it tonight so let's go ahead and open up in prayer and we'll go ahead and get started father god we thank you so much for today we do thank you for uh, those that are uh, here uh, listening uh, whether they're catching it on podcast or uh, listening to it on their phone or, or wherever they're getting this lord we pray that you would be with them um, help them uh, stay in your word you know as we know that uh, the culture today most uh, people that are come into the church on sunday and wednesday have been overwhelmed by information um, and and at the same time um, we pray that they would have that same desire uh, to allow god's word to be the authority of their life um, you know it tells us in second timothy 2 5 that uh we are to present ourselves as, as, as being one approved, being able to handle the truth. And each one of us should be able to understand and, and convey uh, the gospel uh, to, to do the Great Commission. And I pray that we would be able to do that. I pray for the city of Divine. I pray for you, wherever you're at uh, listening. I pray for your marriages and your families 
and your businesses. And uh, we do, again, lift up our country to you and our leaders. And we ask, Lord, that you would uh, root out anything that's evil. And at the same time, Lord, we've seen a lot of people get away with a lot of stuff. And um, we need your judgment, Lord, to, to come down and bring those things to the light, but also judge where it needs to be judged. Uh, we thank you so much for all that you're doing, and we just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right. So last week, we actually had uh, a conversation that was going on uh, while we were uh, teaching on the gifts of the Spirit. And when we got to the gifts of the Spirit, and I didn't really go into it a whole lot in depth because uh, we had so many to cover, uh, but when one of the things that we talk about when we talk about striking a balance um, I think, and, and I want to make sure you get this, because um, some churches allow you to speak in tongues while service is going, you know, when you're doing worship or, um, you know, maybe they have a word from the Lord or something, then they stand up and speak in tongues. Uh, but at Calvary Chapel, um, we, one of the things that we believe is that if, if someone is going to prophesy or speak in tongues, there should be someone there to interpret because it should build the body of Christ up. So when the person, the believer, speaks in tongues, right? It's it's it, it's to edify who the believer, right? It's a conversation that they're they're having with the Lord. But when we do it with the church, the church should be built up, and that's in Scripture. And I wanted to make sure we went over this. As it tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verses 2, it says, For the one who speaks in tongues, not to men, but to God, for no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for, the, for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in tongues builds up himself, but this is the key. But the one who prophesies builds up the church. Right, builds up the church, and and that goes back to First Corinthians fourteen thirteen. Therefore, one who speaks in tongues should pray that he may interpret. And so, do we believe in the gifts of tongues? Yes, I do. I do. Um, it, it's just the way that that Calvary Chapel handles the gifts of tongues that may be different than the way your church does. Uh, if it's a if it's a Pentecostal church, like I said, they may allow during worship to um, have people speaking in tongues, uh, maybe on the floor. I mean, doing you know dancing, whatever. You know that's that's that that's that you know that's that type of church as far as a Pentecostal. Where then you have the other side where they don't even believe this gift still exists. And so remember what we we're talking about is what striking a balance. And so Calvary Chapel is middle of the road when it comes to this. And, and we believe that, that a person, uh, a believer who speaks in tongues, speaks to God in praise and worship. Right? Okay, so I want to make sure you get that, that we believe that. Um, but we also believe that the person who speaks in tongues and prophesies and shares the word with the church, it, it edifies the body of Christ. Okay? And that's an important thing. So let's, for instance, um, if worship is going on, um, we would not have you speak in tongues during worship because we're already worshiping the Lord and it would interrupt worship to God. You, you see what I'm saying? It would bring attention to who? You. 
um, if we're doing an afterglow, that would be a place where um, where you would we would allow that. Like if there were somebody who who says I have the uh, you know, I, I speak in tongues and I and I want to prophesy and, and share something. There has to be someone there who can interpret. Okay, so you can speak in tongues, but there needs to be someone who can interpret tongues. So that's that's the way we handle that. And we've had that happen before. I mean, I, I've been at church the first time. I remember the first time it happened. I thought I needed to leave the church because uh, it was. I have never seen it. I saw it when I was a kid. Uh, in a in a church my 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 aunt Tony went to was very Pentecostal but they would they would run up and down the hall, the um, aisles and scream and yell and it was like it was and and people were trying to sing to the Lord and it was like I didn't get it I was I came from more of a Catholic background and so for me it was a little different but I want to say this so uh, there are I think Miss uh, Miss Alma had talked about. And Rich had talked about speaking in tongues, and I believe that, that, that that's a gift that you have that has been given to you by the Lord. Um, I have seen uh, people where they will uh, spend time in the morning speaking in tongues and praying, and, and, and it's awesome. You know, that's something that's happening, again, to edify the believer and speaking in tongues in God and praise and worship. Uh, I've seen it on Bear Grylls. I talked about this, and, and Bear Grylls actually had Deion Sanders who— the Deion Sanders now, who who gave his life to the Lord, not the one from the '90s, uh, but Deion Sanders, football player, um, baseball player, played for the Atlanta Braves, played for the the Falcons and the Cowboys and the 49ers. Um, it's now coaching Jackson State, but he he speaks in tongues and he did it on the show, and he explained what I was really cool. Uh, if you can ever find that episode, is he actually explains it before he does it so that way he doesn't freak bear grills out he tells him you know what i in, in our faith we believe in the gift of of tongues and and it's to edify um and and to build up uh, the believer as he, he as i praise and worship my lord and ask for strength to be able to do what we're fixing to do and and so he explained it and i i love the way that he did that but remember if you're going to do it at a calvary chapel um, it's going to be someone needs to be there to interpret because we want it to build the body of Christ up. You see what I'm saying? We want it to be able to build the body of Christ up. And we want people to be able to understand what God had placed on your heart to share. And so that's the beauty of it. And so um, first time I ever, like I said, first time I ever saw it, it, it happened at an afterglow. Um, and you know, that's where worship is going on and, and people maybe get a word from the Lord or share a scripture or ask for prayer. And it's just a movement of the Holy spirit. And then, um, somebody said, I have a, a word, uh, I speak in tongues and I, I have a word for the church. Um, and, but I need someone to interpret. Is there anyone that can interpret? And somebody stood up and said, I can interpret tongues and, and, and they did. And, and it was a beautiful uh, what was shared. And so just remember that. That's the way that Calvary Chapel, you know, that we uh, kind of handle those things. And so it may be different. Like you may be, because a lot of times what we have happen is you have people that are watching online or they're listening online. And it may, be, it may sound different than your church. It's just this is what we do. Okay? And that's what I want to make sure that we get. And, and please, if you ever have any questions... 
even if it's on Facebook during the service, if it's on YouTube during the service, please send them in and or write them on there and, and uh, type them in, and I'll, I'll get to them or I'll deal with it actually when I'm teaching and talk about it. So I really enjoyed uh, seeing the conversation that was happening. And it was, it was really uh, awesome to see that uh, conversation that was going on. And so praise God for that. So striking a balance as we continue to talk about this. Um, one of the things that, that, that Chuck shares is Second Timothy chapter 2, verse 15. And it says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, as a worker who has no need to be ashamed, rightly handling the Word of God. And so the, the whole point of this chapter is to deal with um, things that divide us in theological or, or uh, theology issues between churches. And, and what will happen is a church will take one side and the other church takes the other side. And, and we need to be very careful because what Chuck always talks about is that balanced approach. Is striking the balance so we 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 don't make we we don't want to lose people because they're picking sides and, and that's man you give choice to to the church and they will they'll start picking sides and uh, but we we approach it in a balanced approach and and I'll go over this as we get it because it can like I said this is a a lot to take in I know when I first read the book this was one of the hardest chapters. Um, you know, 10 years ago, I remember first getting this book and, and I, I had to read this chapter over a few times and ask questions because it was, you know, I, I, I didn't know a lot about theology. I, I just came to know the Lord and it was like, I don't know. And so I had questions. But Chuck is dealing with two things that are, are, are that divide us theologically. And it's, it's sovereignty versus free will. Now, sovereignty deals with John Calvin, a Calvinist approach, or uh, they're, they're known now as Reformed theology. That, that's how you may know them, guys like Vody Bachman and, um, or Vody Bachman, and, and um, I'm trying to think of some of the other ones. It's, I've drawn a blank now, but John MacArthur and those guys like that, that believe that you're pre-elected or you're elected, you're predestined. Um, it doesn't mean, and this is very important to understand, uh, what I tell you, okay, well, you can't, you can't look at any of John Calvin's stuff. You can't look at any of John MacArthur's stuff. You can't look at any of, uh, Vody Bachman's stuff. No, what I'm saying is, is like, they're great teachers of the word. They really are great teachers of the word. It's just when you get to these scriptures, you're going to have to understand, like when they teach these they're going to have a, a, a predisposition that they believe in predestination, right? That, that your salvation is predestined. God decides who's saved and who's not saved. And the scripture that they use uh, primarily is in Romans chapter 8, verses 29 through 30. And, and, and it talks about it. It says, for those who, uh, whom he foreknew, uh, he also predestined to be conformed uh, to the image of his son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers, and those whom he predestined, he also called, and those whom he called, he also justified, and those whom he justified, he also glorified. Now, when we look at this, this is really an exaggerated view of, of you know, of this, and they'll say that that man has no say uh, whatsoever if he's saved or not. It's only by God choosing. 
and and that really goes against scripture um and and so that's where the debate begins uh god's grace is irresistible and those who are saved, who are, are chosen, will one day find salvation. And they have have to because God's chosen them. And, and Calvinism, you, you know, one of the things that we have to remember is, is they'll say that, you know, that you're, you're, though we're saved by God's grace, it's God's grace is irresistible. And those that are saved, they're, they're chosen one day, right, to find that salvation. And that goes against the scripture in Ephesians chapter 2. Um, and, and, you know, a big thing is, is Calvinism, they won't be a church that emphasizes evangelism. It's it, because you're already predestined or not. And, they, and there are some Calvinists that have even a stronger view that believe that you're predestined for hell. There's nothing that you can do about it. And, and Chuck talks about this because it deals with limited, uh, limited atonement. And, and that's what Calvinists will, will hold on to. And, and it means that Jesus' blood didn't pay for the sins of the entire world, but only those that God chose to be saved. Now, that goes against the Scripture, right? So a Calvinist will say that you're elected by God without regard to faith in Christ, but you are elected by God in accordance with faith, faith in Christ. And that goes back to John chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. It says, For God so loved the world, that he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life for god did not send his son into the world to be condemned the world uh but in in order that the world might be saved through him so he gave his only son that whoever believes it doesn't say whoever is elected and I know this is a very remedial argument for because I, if if you try to talk about this because I you know when I went to Liberty, God bless them man I had I had professors that were Calvinists, and if you try to bring John three sixteen up to them they get they're like that's a remedial view of it that's a and I would always get that's the Calvary Chapel view of it and I was like well I'd rather have that view because realistically, what you're teaching doesn't line up with Scripture. You know, it's, it's, you know, we, we all have the opportunity to come to know Jesus Christ. And, and his blood is that opportunity. It was spilt so that everyone, it paid the sins for the entire world. Um, and, and so God's salvation offer is for everyone uh, on the condition that they receive and believe in Jesus Christ. You know, so thank god for the provision of salvation and the cross and you know for the the gospel proclamation and that it's a free gift there's nothing that you can earn right and 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 it was all done by jesus christ and and it goes back to romans chapter 116 and and again it says for i am not ashamed of the gospel for it is the power of god for salvation to what everyone it doesn't say to the elect and, and so whoever believes to the Jew first and also to the Greek. And so what will happen is you'll have these discussions, these theological discussions that go really, they go nowhere. And a lot of times what they'll do is they'll divide the church up. And so we need to be, um, we need to be uh, um, just careful as we get into those 
discussions because it, it, it what happens is it, it can create division within the church and what we want to do is we want to strike a balance and I'll kind of talk about how we do that um, but the second part of this is is we talked about Calvinism um, and and I, I need to make sure you understand this um, if you're a Calvinist and you come into the church we we would love to have you at the church that's awesome but if you want to serve in leadership um, you know, you want to be able to uh, participate, uh, maybe to lead a ministry. You, you cannot be a Calvinist in, at Calvary Chapel and lead a ministry because your views don't line up with the Calvary Chapel distinctives. You see what I'm saying? And so that's one thing I want to make sure it's clear because um, we've had that issue before where somebody doesn't say anything. And then they, not at our church, but at some of the other churches in California, I believe they had, they've had where the pastor just ends up becoming Calvinist. It divides the church, and it's a mess. I mean, it becomes a mess. The second argument we talked about was free will. So we talked about sovereignty, which is Reformed theology, Calvinism. Now we got to talk about Arminianism. Jacobus Arminius, uh, the theologian that came up with Arminianism, and his, his views tend to um, talk about God's sovereignty and focus on the idea of salvation as the responsibility of man, and that man has free will to choose, and they, they have a point to, uh, they verse to, they always point to John chapter 3, verse 16, which we just read, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. And so the whoever would seem to indicate that anybody and so Ar Armenianism have a, a few, uh, their view of theology will not talk about eternal security. This is a key point. Okay, this is very important because they won't talk about eternal security. They'll, they'll act like you can lose your salvation. And we'll get into that as we dive into this. But Chuck used the phrase uh, uh, perseverance of the saints, which is the doctrine that teaches that if you're truly saved, then you'll persevere and continue to trust in Jesus Christ right up to the end. And this comes from the scriptures in the book of Matthew, Matthew 24, 13, which says, but the one who endures to the end will be saved. And so uh, they believe actually that one who endures to the end will be saved is not a reference to salvation. This is important because it's actually talking about the tribulation. Okay, it's it's just talking about the tribulation, those that, that believers that endure to the end of the tribulation and be spared the physical death and enter into the millennium. And that's what that verse is dealing with. But um, but they struggle with that the, the, the possibility that a person might not endure and that it's possible for a person to lose their salvation. And they use the verse in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6. Now, Hebrews chapter 6 is probably one of the most theological argued books in the Bible um, because along with the Romans, um, uh, as they talk about predestination, but, um, but Hebrews as well, because Hebrews 6 actually talks about those who dabble in Christianity. And, and what I mean is they're not really Christians, but they attend church. And remember, you had Pharisees and Sadducees who believed in God, but they weren't really saved. They, Jesus kept calling them out as whitewashed tombs, remember? So you can have people in the church that are serving, but haven't really truly given over their life to the Lord. They haven't repented and said that, you know what, I, He, he is my, my Savior and, and I'm going to follow Him. 
Uh, and so what will happen is you have people who are just dabbling in Christianity. We have a lot of that happening right now. We have a lot of that happening right now. We have, we have, we have Christians that have gone off the reservation as far as the Word of God. And what I mean is the Word of God doesn't hold authority in their life anymore. Um, they spend a lot of time in the culture, and, and they're arguing the point of uh, abortion, which is crazy. You know that that you know that the Lord provides us, and 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 it's and people. It's sad because it does create does create chaos, and 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 so you allow that culture to come into the church, and you have a lot of people that are being churches are are, are not really teaching the word anymore. Uh, a lot of the you know, I, I just think about the church in, in New York with the governor, and, and they allowed her to go up and um, talk about the vaccine and then shared scripture about love your neighbor. If you love your neighbor, you'll get the vaccine. And then she holds up, instead of a cross, she has a vax necklace. And, and, and I'm not saying I'm for either or. I'm just saying this is weird because who what pastor would give up the pulpit for the word? And what I always puzzle myself about is they forget the other part of the scripture, right? They always use love your neighbor, love your neighbor, but they forget the other part of the scripture because that was when they asked Jesus, what is the, what is the, uh, the great commandment, right? And he tells them to love the Lord with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, Right? And second is to love your neighbor. So first off, they miss the first part. And they just throw scripture out at you. And, and so sadly, what we need to do is strike that balance as we do this. Now, one of the things that I said is like when we deal with Hebrews chapter 6, it's talking about people who are just playing around with Christianity. They've been in the church and they've heard the word and, and they've been moved. But by the time they walk out of the church, they're back to their normal self. And, and they really haven't given their life over to the Lord. It's in Hebrews chapter 6, verses 4 through 6, for it is impossible in the case of those who have once been enlightened, who have tested the heavenly gift and have shared in the Holy Spirit and have tasted the goodness of the Word of God and the powers of the age to come and, and then have fallen away to restore them again to repentance since they, have, since they are crucifying once again the Son of God to their own harm and holding them up to contempt. And so what they'll say in our Arminianism is that you can fall away and lose your salvation. Justification. So when you give your life to Jesus Christ, you're justified. That means it's just as if you did not sin. That's the easiest way to remember it. Your past, your present, your future sins have been forgiven. Okay? your eternal security has been has been done and so people will struggle with this question of can i lose my salvation they'll struggle with it and and we'll talk about this a little bit but what's sad is in the armenianism type churches they they believe this and they teach this and so what happens is people think man i can lose my salvation i sinned this week I need to get back to church, and they'll, they'll do altar call after altar call after altar call because they think they have to keep getting saved over and over and over. 
And you can imagine the weight of that because the other side of that is what happens if you die in a car accident? And you didn't get to go, that's, that's not what it teaches. And so that view of salvation is actually a lie from Satan. I want to make sure you understand that. That is a lie from Satan. And it's, it's funny that you would think that your eternal security depends on who? You. You. It's a lie. Uh, it, it's sad because, you know, it, it's meant to subdue us from experience all that God has for us and, and accomplishing the work that God has prepared for us in advance. It, it prevents us from fulfilling the, the Great Commission. Can you imagine if the entire world believed that they could lose their salvation? Who would, who would go out and preach the, the word? And, and that lie that Satan has put out there, it's really centered around what? Ego. Ego. It's human self-centeredness. It's narcissism. To think that you can keep yourself from being saved. It tells us in Ephesians chapter 2, verses 8 and 9, For it has been by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. Ain't nothing you can do. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Salvation and eternal security doesn't depend on us. And so that, that, that question of can I lose my salvation is rooted in legalism. We have God's grace. Jesus is the, uh, is the only thing that we need. <laughs> right? But, but what you think is Jesus is, the, is only enough to get me started. And then I have to com- complete the work. And that's what that lie is. And that's what Arminianism teaches. Billy Graham uh, shares this. He says, uh, when we come to Christ, this is Billy Graham quoting, uh, when we come to Christ, he comes to live within us by his spirit, and, we, and he will never depart from us. And when uh, we come to him, God adopts us into his family, and we become his children. And he'll never disown us or disinherit us. If he did reject, uh, reject us, it would, not, it would mean our salvation depends on how good we are. But we can never be good enough, for God's standard is perfection. Our salvation depends solely on Jesus Christ, who died to take all our sins. That's why it says in Ephesians chapter 1, verse 13, When you believed, you were marked with the seal of the promise of the Holy Spirit. You give your life to Jesus Christ, you ask Christ into your heart, and you, 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 you repent of your sins. You're sealed with the Holy Spirit, the promise of the Holy Spirit. So now you're justified, just as if you did not sin, past, present, future, sin, forgiven. When Jesus looks at you, he sees his son because you're covered by the blood of Christ. That's, that's the reality of it. 2 Corinthians 5, 17 and 19 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. We need to let the old die. And walk in the Spirit. Matthew twenty-eight twenty says, And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age. He's always with you. 
And so this thought of, can I lose my salvation? I'm going to give you a verse that, that will help you, hopefully, to remind you. It is a uh, really a, um, <laughs> a story of Paul's life when you read it. Uh, Paul, the author who wrote this in Romans chapter 8, verses 35 through 39, it says, Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? That's all the stuff Paul went through, right? As it was written, for your, uh, your sake, we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Isn't that a beautiful verse? And a lot of people who ask the question, "Have I? can I lose my salvation? Unfortunately, a lot of times they're dealing with something that's going on in their life that needs to be dealt with. An addiction, a sin, um... You know, there, there, there are things that are usually causing that the enemy uses to make them question. And so that's why we need to be rooted in the Word of God. It's not rooted in theology. It's rooted in application of the Word of God. Okay, because there's, there's nothing that can take your salvation away. Shortcomings, failings, seasons where you stray. Maybe when you even become a prodigal, the Lord will draw you back and turn you around. And restore you. And he'll accept you with arms wide open. The same way the father accepted the prodigal. But just remember that Jesus is enough. Okay? Jesus is enough. So when we look at these, just to give you some examples of where we're at. And there's five points that that, uh, Pastor Chuck gives. Uh, and, and I want to share these with you because Calvinist and, and Armenianism is, as we look at these, these five points on, on the first point, Calvary Chapel agrees with Calvinism's view of all men are sinners, uh, but holds, holds that God with God's grace, salvation becomes possible. Okay. So we, we, we hold that God's grace and salvation becomes possible on point two. Calvinists believe that man's election to salvation lies completely in the choice of God, while Armenianism uh, believes that it's completely the choice of man. Uh, in, in this case, we Calvary Chapel takes some middle ground, and we approach it saying that God clearly does choose, but man must also accept God's invitation to salvation. You have to ask Jesus into your heart. And, and we believe that it is the Holy Spirit that, that ushers you in to, that's when you're, anybody who's given their life to the Lord or given their heart to the Lord, you know when it is when you're sitting in church and that, that pounding's happening and they're asking, does anybody want to receive Jesus as their Lord and Savior? And it's that, that you're, the word is washed over you and you're just like, I need this. And that's the Holy Spirit that's ushering you uh, into that relationship with, with Jesus Christ. The third point is that Calvary strong, strongly sides with Armenianism when it contends that Jesus died for the whole world. 
Okay? Calvinist view is Jesus died sufficiently covers every sin, but it's only intended for, uh, it's only efficient for those who would believe, right? Uh, so it covers every sin, but was intended, therefore, efficient only for those who would believe. And, and so based on the scripture, Calvary states that the atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ was clearly sufficient to save the entire human race. And that's, that's supported in many scriptures throughout the Bible. Fourth, uh, and we just got one more after this, point four has to do with man's ability to resist God. And so Calvary sides with Arminianism here and, and believes that God's grace can either be resisted or received by exercise of human free will. We believe in free will where Calvinists believe that there's irresistible grace. You're either elected or you're not. Uh, and then lastly, the, the final point is that Calvary chapels believe in the perseverance of saints, the true believers, but um, expresses deep concern about sinful lifestyles and rebellious hearts among those who call themselves Christians based on the word in Matthew chapter 7, verses 21 through 13. Now, a lot of this, like I said, it's, it's, it's a lot, right? It's a lot. And, and when you read about Calvinism, there's a lot to uh, to intake and and so you know one of the things we want to do is is you can have these theological debates and it, and it can divide churches and so we want to strike the balance and that goes with pretty much anything else and so striking the balance and having a balanced approach is important for uh, the church overall is because we don't want to divide the church because it's so easy we're, we're such a divided nation and in such a divided there are divisions that are happening within churches now today um sadly and um you know so when we look at things we don't look at them um you know these are heavy theological topics but we want to also have a balanced approach when it comes to um whether you want to wear a mask or not wear a mask we're okay with either uh, you know, whether you're vaccinated or not vaccinated, I am not going to play a doctor from the pulpit. Okay? Won't do it. I won't tell you who to vote for. Not going to do it. But I will tell you a couple of things about voting is that you should actually pray and examine the Word of God and take the Word of God against that candidate and see how they vote and what they vote for. And if it goes against God's Word, you shouldn't vote for that person. And, and what happened in this last election is a lot of people allowed their feelings for one candidate or the other. And that drove their, instead of the Word of God being the authority of their life, they allowed their feelings and emotion to be the authority of their life. And they voted for somebody that, you know, went against the authority of God's Word. And, and so those are things that we have to, we have to remember. We, we go by the authority of God's word, but I will never tell you who to vote for, okay? Because all that stuff divides the church. It divides the church. You see it in the culture today. It's such a divide, such a divide. And, and so sadly, I mean, I think at the end of the day, that's one of the things about Calvary Chapel. One of the things that's so important is that you come in ready for the word, Um. And that's, that's the most important thing that we, we want. The, the second part of this, and I, this will be a little bit quicker because it's talking about ventures of faith. 
the last chapter of the book. And, and really, when I read this now, I have a better understanding of it, having stepped out in faith and planted a church um, and just seeing what the Lord has done um, and how the Lord provided and had things in place. But for Calvary Chapel, I think this is one of the things that we need to remember is that we need to encourage the stepping out in faith and doing the work that God has called us to do. And we shouldn't be trying to, to, to quench the, the Spirit of God. Uh, and what I mean by that is if somebody has something put on their heart and it's, you know, we feel like it's something that the Lord is, is calling them to do, let's say start a ministry. Um, you know, I, I'm trying to think of one of the ministries that we had. We had the Grace Groups. Uh, at Grace Calvary Chapel when we were there, and it was something that Joe had put on his heart. We had school of ministry, something that Joe put on his heart. We started praying over it for a few months. I think he prayed over it for a couple of years. And then I started praying with him, and then the Spirit just moved, and we took that venture of faith and did it. And, and so we don't want to, because it could have been easy going, we don't have enough people, what are we going to do? We don't have teachers, we don't even have curriculum. You know, that's that's that's... That's putting out the flames of the Holy Spirit. And we need to be very careful of that. One of the things I love is there's that story in 1 Samuel 14. Uh, and I won't go into the whole thing because it, it deals with uh, the fact that, that Saul was staying on the outskirts and hiding, right? And, um, and, and you had uh, the king of Israel was sitting under a pomegranate tree. With the chaplain, they just sat back. But then it was Jonathan who actually trusted the Lord and took a venture of faith, and and the Lord blessed him and 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 used him in a mighty way and gave him victory. But it was also Jonathan's armor bearer, and and so we look at First Samuel fourteen verses six uh, through fifteen. It says Jonathan said to the young man who carried carried his armor, "Come and let us go over to the garrison of the uncircumcised." And it may be that the Lord will work for us, for nothing can hinder the Lord from saving by many or by few. And that's very important, right? Is having someone who has that great step of faith and is going to just say, you know what, the Lord is gonna the Lord's gonna do what the Lord's gonna do, and I'm gonna take this step of faith and and, and be a vessel be the tool that he uses. And, he, and, and I love the armor bearer because look at verse 7. It says, And his armor bearer said to him, Do all that in your heart. Do as you wish. Behold, I am with your heart and soul. And so we need those armor bearers like that uh, in our lives. And, and honestly, and it's a reminder to us, even as pastors, like we can't do everything. We, we need those, those armor bearers, those people who will take that step of faith. And, and you know, I've been, you know, been that armor bearer before. And it's, it's an important, and I'll be an armor bearer for, for our church as well at times. Because there may be somebody who has something put on uh, their heart to lead something, and, and I, I may just be there to help. And, and that may be the, the position that I'm in at that time to help out. And so... You know, we need those. And so it says, Then Jonathan said, Behold, we will cross over to the men, and we will show ourselves to them. If they say to us, Wait until we come to you, then we'll stand in our place, and we will not go up to them. But if they say, Come up to us, then we'll go up, and the Lord has given them into our hand, and this shall be the sign to us. So both of them showed 
themselves to the garrison of the Philistines, that's the uncircumcised. And the Philistines said, look, the Hebrews are coming up out of their holes where they have hidden themselves. And the men of the garrison hailed Jonathan and his armor bearer and said, come up to us and we'll show you a thing. And Jonathan said to his armor bearer, come up after me, for the Lord has given them into the hand of Israel. There's a great step of faith here by Jonathan and also the armor bearer. And then Jonathan climbed up on his hands and feet and the armor bearer after him and they fell before Jonathan and his armor bearer killed them after him. And that first strike which Jonathan and his armor bearer made killed about 20 men within as it was a half furrow length and an acre of land and there was a panic in the camp and the field among all the people and the garrison and even the raiders trembled. The earth quaked and it began a very great panic. <clears throat> and so what you see is a faithful helper of the Lord with loyal hearts ready to do the work of God. And that's, that's the history of the church. And we need more of that in the church. We need more of that in the city. We need men and women that are going to have that venture of faith that are going to step out but let me tell you something. They need armor bearers too. They need armor bearers too. So what, what makes a good armor bearer? One, they see, they see things through the kingdom, uh, through, the, through the kingdom perspective. That's why he says in 1 Samuel 20 verse 4, So Jonathan said to David, Whatever you yourself desire, I will do it for you. It's like you're seeing your life through, through the here and now, and, and what benefits you the most is the eternal. Right? Second, we must be willing to lay down our lives for the work of the Lord. Jonathan and both, uh, you know, Jonathan and both his armor bearer both had that on their heart. Jonathan did that with David. They were, they were you know, hooked to the hip and 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 david always had jonathan looking out for his back always had his support and we also have to have a, a develop an attitude of honoring preferring one another we have to uh, be willing to encourage one another i think this is one of the areas the church is is lacking right now we need those encouragers people that will encourage each other in Romans chapter 12, verse 10, it says, Be kindly affectionate to one another with brotherly love and giving and honor, giving preference to one another. And then Ephesians, uh, Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, it says, Let nothing be done through selfish ambition or conceit, but lowliness of mind. Let each esteem others better than themselves. And unfortunately, that's not how the world is, right? We have a very selfish world, and we unfortunately have seen some of that in the church as well. And so we need to be careful with that. Uh, you know, you think about the things that, that God had did with Pastor Chuck. Realize that his ventures of faith, he's, he spent 15 years of ministry going from church to church doing teachings for that church. And then it wasn't until he started doing verse-by-verse -verse teachings and and they they opened the doors to uh, the, the, the young uh, adults, the hippies that were lost at the time, that were seeking answers, and there are a lot of people seeking answers right now. And then they took that venture of faith, and then they decided, hey, let's do crusades. 
And they started doing crusades, and they had an evangelist. They had Lonnie Frisbee, and they had Greg Laurie, and they were like, let's do these and let them go out and preach the word. You know, then they had K-Wave, and you think about Pastor Skip in, in Calvary Chapel, Albuquerque, and somebody just donating a radio station to them. And does anybody know how to run a radio station? But you got some armor bearers that are going to come alongside of somebody and just help them do it. Those are ventures of faith. We, we, we have to stop trying to figure things out in the human way. That's the problem in the church. We're too busy trying to figure things out the human way and not seeking God's will in the ministries that we have in the church. And we have to be careful not to allow unbelief to creep into the building. Because unbelief will, man, stop the work of the Lord quicker than anything. It will. And, and so you know, we have to be willing to take that step of faith and do the work that God's calling us to do. And I, and I think that's where a lot of people are stuck. But at the same time, one of the things we need to remember is that if there's a ministry that's, that's happening... Um, maybe the ministry, we, we're trying to keep it revived. We're trying to revive it, revive it, revive it. Sometimes we need to let those things pass on. And what I mean by that is is we, we used to have this wonderful one-by-one ministry. That was a long time ago. And my wife was part of it. And they, it, they would help um, mothers through their pregnancy, um, providing counseling and, and Christian counseling and stuff like that. And it was a wonderful thing. But eventually what happened is the, um, you know, it, it became, it just wasn't continuing. They, they didn't have people that wanted to uh, serve in the ministry anymore or, or maybe the directional changes that were happening because it was a, we were, we were partnered with another ministry and, and uh, it was just something that, that eventually the, the church let go of. And, um, and it needed to be because if we would have kept trying, they kept it going for two, I believe, like a year or two years, and it should have been stopped already. But what we do sometimes with ministry as we venture in faith, we're trying to keep it going in our own strength, in our own will. And if God's saying this thing's done, and I'm going to do this new thing over here, because that's what happens is there are seasons for people to be in different ministries. And sometimes those ministries come to an end. We had to let go of radio for a period. And, and God put it on our heart and opened a door for us to be back on the radio. And, uh, and we, we took that, that venture of faith and we did it. Did we, <laughs> and we did it in a time when we really didn't have the funding. And all, but we took that step of faith. We are doing the same thing by... Um, the church is one of the things that I decided with the church with um, that I thought was a, a huge responsibility that we should do with the church is we should tithe, uh, you know, uh, a percentage each month to um, our missionaries. And, and we, we have two missionaries. We're, we just started the first one this month. Uh, so part of the, the tide that comes in goes to Calvary Chapel, Itapuato, Mexico with Pastor Oscar Gallegos and uh, his wife Liz that are there. And so we can partner and be a part of that ministry. 
Um, and, and the reason why we want to do that is like we're taking that step of faith because I believe it's something very important that needs to be done as a church. But at the same time, it's, it's like we want to see God do, continue to do the work there in Mexico. And, uh, and, and Oscar took that step of faith, that venture of faith to go plant a church in Mexico. And, and God has blessed him tremendously. And so I, I want to tell you that what we want to do is there's going to be times when we step out in faith and it works great. The key is that we make ourselves available, okay? And, and night of worship, we made ourselves available. Cactus Fest, we're making ourselves available. Now there's something that may have come up about Hondo for a Christmas thing, and we're going to make ourselves available and just do what God is calling us to do. We're a small church. But at the same time, a, a small church can do mighty things that they're being led by the Lord. We need to be in harmony with each other. We need to be in balance with each other. We need to hold to our Calvary Chapel distinctives. And we need to, we need to step out in faith and do God's will. And God will bless that. And God will bless that. So next week, we will start the book of Daniel, introduction to the book of Daniel. I hope y'all join us next week. I'm really looking forward to it. We've closed out this book of Calvary Chapel Distinctives. So remember, it'll still be available on the website. Uh, you just go to calvarydivine.org, go to the About, and under the History of Calvary Chapel, the PDF, the book will be available there uh, for you to read at any time that you would like to read it. Um, I want to thank y'all so much for joining us this evening. I want to pray as we say goodbye and uh, just ask that God would put those things on our hearts, those ventures of faith uh, that we need to take that step of faith and do and, and that we would do things in His will. And so let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for today. We thank you for all that you're doing in our lives. We, we pray and ask for application as we learned about um, Armenianism and Calvinism, allow us to look at that as a balanced approach. And we also just pray, Lord, if there's anyone who's struggled with that question, can I lose my salvation, that they would have eternal security to know that that question's been answered. And, and we also pray, Lord, just for our marriages, for our families. We pray for our listeners who are catching this, whether you're getting it a week later or a month later. We ask, Lord, that you just continue to move in their hearts. We thank you so much for all that you're doing. And we just ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Remember, if you need to get a hold of me, you can go to calvarydivine.org. God bless you. Thank you so much. That was Pastor Michael Petit from Calvary Divine, Texas. Remember, if you need to get more information on the church, you can do that at calvarydivine.org. God bless.